Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome to the Churros! E Tacticas podcast. This is your host, Keon Zobani. Diego Lorin is away this week. He's going to be away for like 10 days total. So there's going to be a few more days of no Diego on the podcast because he's in Ibiza. He's enjoying sunsets with his family and listening to trance music. So good for him. Uh, I don't even think his Wi Fi connection is good enough to record. And as I mentioned on the Friday patron episode, I wanted to use this opportunity to get some Atletico Madrid guys on the podcast. So Joining me today to talk about some La Liga stuff, Atletico in particular, some Isaac stuff, which is huge news today, uh, is Sam Leverage. He is, uh, I believe, the second person in history to write for both Into the Calderon and Managing Madrid. So he's uh, doing a bit of both. Uh, obviously, the first person is Ewan McTeer. So Sam, welcome to the show. How are you? Hey, Ken. Thanks for having me on. I didn't know I was in such a luxurious company with you in there, but good to know. And yeah. I'm not quite an Ibiza like like Diego, but I try to to fill in for him this week and yeah, talk all about Atleti and, and all things La Liga. Well, you are in Spain though. Yeah, I am in Madrid, so just missing the beach and the nice views, the sunsets. But yeah, still, I think it's what 37 degrees Celsius centigrade today, so hot. Yeah, still in yeah. that August heat and and football kickoffs late on to try and make up for it. So yeah. Yep, you are in the absolute heat of the heat, and uh, it's going to cool down probably in a, in a couple months, but for now, you're going to be suffering the Madrid heat for a while. So let's talk about uh, La Liga. I wasn't planning on talking about this today with you. I wanted to focus more on Atletico, but uh, Alex- Alexander Isaac going to Newcastle today for $70 million. Uh, Sam, I know that this leaves La Real in a weird position. Because it's late, late-ish in the window, you don't have a striker lined up yet. Although I'm sure you can put that money to good use, you have to take that, right? That's an insane amount of money. Yeah, I mean that's incredible money. I mean, in the earlier in the year when Arsenal were linked, there were rumours that Arsenal had said it was way too much money that they couldn't afford to pay his release clause that he wasn't worth it. So for Newcastle to to turn up and say that they'll pay it, I mean, 
Real Sociedad must have bitten their hands off. I mean, he's got huge potential. He's a very talented player. But, I mean, for that kind of money, I think Real Sociedad didn't have a choice but to say yes. And and there are options in the market that they can sign. I mean, Raul de Tomas, Enes Junal, players like that who are available at a cheaper price. So I think they'll be thinking that, yeah, they'll probably have to take a downgrade for the next few months at least. But they can take a downgrade and pocket 20, 30, 40 million at the same time. So... I think long term they're they're seeing it as an investment in the future and how they can kind of rebuild this squad for the years to come as well. Uh I like Isaac. I think he's a good player, but I also think like to your point, like to downgrade, but also, you know, pocket thirty, forty million or whatever it is and end up spending out of that seventy million, you might not even downgrade. And I with all due respect to Isaac, he's really good, but he's twenty two. He's not like a teenager or anything. Last season was pretty poor. Um just want to pull it up here too. Last season, six goals in how many appearances? What well, he played a lot. He was playing pretty much every week, wasn't he? Six goals in thirty-two appearances, and he only had two assists. Uh, two assists to boot. Obviously, the year before that, we're looking at a seventeen-goal player and a player who hopefully would grow from that seventeen and increase his goal tally. But seventeen to six is a huge drop-off. And uh, that it's not like he's coming off this incredible season, which begs the question: What are Newcastle doing? How is it really impossible? Like, how can you spend seventy million on a player like who hasn't had no production in the past year or so? Maybe they see something completely like they, they're just visionaries, and he's gonna go in and and become fifteen to twenty goal kind of player. And even then, is that worth seventy million? I'm really not sure. Um, you mentioned Raul de Tomas. How much is he worth, though? Like, I've seen reports of, like, people are saying, "Let's, why don't you sign him for 20, 25 million? Is that really all he would go for? Well, I think Diego Martinez has reportedly had a row with him at Espanyol, and they haven't really got on the two of them. So I think Espanyol are inevitably going to have to accept a reasonable price for him if the club does come in with a bid and, I think they're keen to move him on before the end of the transfer window. Raul de Thomas is keen to leave before the end of the transfer window. So I imagine that 20, 25 million might be enough to get that deal done. I mean, it's still a, a decent deal for Espanyol. I mean, they signed him when they were facing relegation and and it's worked out quite well for them having him there. But I think his time is up at Espanyol. And so, yeah, maybe even Real Sociedad, they see that as a team that isn't going to compete with, with Espanyol and that, they can get 25 million out of it. Maybe if they were trying to sell to a team like Sevilla, they might struggle to get that much out of. So I think maybe that is the deal, but it's another difficult one. It's a bit like the Alexander Isak that there's always going to be somebody to justify the price, whatever it is. So Newcastle, I'm sure we'll talk about not last season, but the season before when Alexander Isak was 20 and scored 16 goals. But then other people will say, no, that's not enough. I mean, look at last season, six goals. I mean, it's always going to be that debate around the transfer fee. I think it's very difficult I think with Isak, it was the one issue that, that I think was his his biggest issue throughout his time at Real Sociedad was the consistency. And I think last season of his eight goal involvements, four of them came in one week in October. And that means that across the rest of the season, there's only four goal involvements. So Raul de Tomas is that kind of player that's a little bit more consistent that maybe they can rely on him throughout the whole season. He might not have those kind of purple patches where he scores loads of goals in one, two weeks, but then he will be a little bit more consistent throughout the season. That might actually be better for Real Sociedad as they look to kind of push on in that race for Europe with, with Villarreal, Betis and so on all pushing as well. 
some some people will say like you know the fact that he's 27 versus Isaac's 22 like you know there's five years difference there and Isaac at least is a bit more for the, more for the future I would almost say that Raul de Tomas makes more sense because of that reason he's ready now he's in his peak and 27 is not 37 that's like a good five years at least he's got left in him and it's very possible by the time Isaac becomes like a Raul de Tomas type consistent player he'll be 27 and he might be leaving your club anyway but I guess my point is in all this, if if Raul de Tomas goes to Real Sociedad for twenty five million, that is this one of the single greatest business, maybe the single greatest business we've seen of anyone in Europe this year, apart from like Ajax cashing in somehow hundred million on Anthony or Chelsea, sixty million on Gordon, like that's obviously great business too. But but just flipping Isaac for Raul de Tomas and pocketing like let's say fifty million or whatever it is, that's incredible. Um, but then that brings me to pose another question, Sam. Why wouldn't Newcastle, instead of paying seventy million for Isaac, just pay twenty five million for Raul de Tomas? Like, I what are what is going on here? Um, I'll also well, say, like, if the, yeah, yeah, well, I guess there's the ceiling, isn't there? I mean, Alexander Isaac does have that ceiling that he could be one of the best strikers in the world. Whether he actually ever gets there or not, nobody knows. Raul de Tomas isn't. He's not going to be one of the best strikers in the world. Alexander Isaac. In five years, he could be. I mean, we've seen that from him at times that he has that potential. I don't think he'll he'll get to that kind of level, but maybe Newcastle think that he will, or maybe Newcastle think that they want a statement signing this summer, which they haven't really had. I mean, we've been waiting all summer to see who they would go for, and they haven't made that signing yet. Maybe they see Alexander Isak as that big money signing that they can justify. Look, there's this guy who scored 17 goals in La Liga only two years, only a year ago. Now he's coming into our team, 70 million euros, the big investment, and he's going to be our star for the next few years. And I mean, that makes sense. If they sign Raul de Tomas, he's not going to be a star in five years' time for Newcastle. I mean, maybe that's the way that they could could justify going for that kind of signing, but it does seem, yeah, a gamble from Newcastle at least. The ceiling thing is an interesting point to make. Like, so to me, Isaac is incredibly talented. I think de Tomas... He's like a, just a steady 20 goals a season kind of player, right? Yeah. He has a higher floor than Isaac will. Like, he's more consistent. He'll give you kind of game-to-game -game production. Um, we'll see how it goes. Apart from Raul de Tomas, who do you think La Real could look at here? I mean, as a Real Madrid fan, I think we're all hoping that we can just kind of present Mariano Diaz as a, as a polite option for them to take on. But do you yeah, have, like, I a short list? And Juan Laporta were there with Braithwaite and Mariano trying to offer the, the quickest deal they could. No, I think Raul de Tomas is a very obvious candidate. Um, another one I think is a possibility is Enes Renal, who is two years younger. So he's 25, which might work out better for Laria with a kind of transfer strategy with the youngsters. And he was obviously very good last season. There's that question over whether it was a one-season wonder, um, whether that's sustainable long-term. But I think his performances in the first few weeks of this season have been pretty good as well. And there was talk that he wanted out of Hitafi in the summer. Nobody came in for him. Maybe now if Real Sociedad turn up with the right amount of money, Hitafi might might take that. Um, and another option, of course, is Antoine Griezmann, who was at Real Sociedad kind of the early days of his career, and now is in a very difficult situation at Atletico. That I'm sure we'll get on to that. Maybe the the answer, the solution that works best for all parties is for Antoine Griezmann to to head back to San Sebastian and, and end up back at Anoeta. 
Do you, I mean, the only thing that makes the Griezmann thing a little bit complicated is obviously there's another club involved, although I don't think they would care too much, but um, the salary thing. Do you think there would be some maybe shared wages going on there if if they if he ended up back at Real Sociedad or because could, could could they actually absorb that kind of salary? That's the question. Well, you'd have to imagine so, wouldn't you? I mean, Atleti was really good. He's meant to take I think it was fifty percent pay cut to join from Barcelona, and then Atleti have asked him to take another thirty percent pay cut this season, which he hasn't yet taken, but. I mean, if you're Antoine Griezmann and you've got one club asking you to take 30% less or you can go somewhere else and maybe take 30% less, but at least you'll feel a bit happier there, then, I mean, it seems like inevitably Antoine Griezmann is going to have to accept that he either goes back to Barcelona where they're going to be desperate to get rid of him or he's going to have to accept a lower wage somewhere. So I think all of the parties involved are so desperate to lower his wages somehow that maybe they could find a solution with Real Sociedad and find something that works out for Griezmann because... Nobody wants to pay his wages. I mean, it's very Bartomeu era signing that, that a few years on, nobody wants to stick with it. But I think he's just going to have to find a solution because otherwise he's just going to end up kind of rotting on the Atletico bench until the end of the season. And then who knows what comes next for him after that. The weird thing is that Griezmann back at Real Sociedad is not really a, a, a seamless tactical fit. Like, Isaac makes sense. Griezmann's kind of like in the Kubo David Silva player profile. It's like running into Lionel Messi again, but it's just, but not as good, obviously. But there's two of them now that play on that kind of right wing, like to cut in, go centrally, play as a 10 kind of role. So I don't know how he fits there either, to be honest. Um, looking back on that now, that was the worst thing that anyone ever did. Everyone lost on that Griezmann deal. He should have just stayed at Atletico um, instead of going to Barca, but that's done. Um, Griezmann. You know, the salary cuts at Atletico are a thing right now. Uh, they've been asking several players to take either cuts or deferrals. All Black and Tomas Lamar have been the other ones. Just talk to me about Atletico in general. Um, we don't have to necessarily dive into their financial health. I think we all kind of know it's it's a kind of a grim state. They need to reduce some salary again this season. Tebas is making this difficult for a lot of these teams to register players. That Atletico are not necessarily in that position, but they still have to shed some salary. So All Black and Lamar have already agreed to compromise a little bit with their contracts. Griezmann is being asked about it now. Club has not had a great start to the season. If you look at their transfer window, basically Daniel Was, who was one of the weirdest Atletico Madrid players of all time. I don't know how, how many minutes did he have. Do we have numbers? You're the stats guy. How much did he play? I think it was about 45 minutes, I think he got on his debut at Camp Nou when Diego Simeone picked him up off the floor when he couldn't walk, and then he never walked back on the pitch and had a Letico Madrid shirt again. So, And now he's gone to Bronby. One of the worst signings. Yeah. And yet completely, as he's just like disappeared now. And so Hector Herrera's gone to the MLS, Versaico is gone. Um, and then you have... Some players out on loan. Then you have Nahuel Molino, who just came in the right back. Samuel Lino. Uh, Axel Witzel was a decent bit, bit of business for free from Dortmund. Still 33, not that old. Morata obviously returned. Saul is back. Is this squad weaker or stronger than last season? I think it has the potential to be stronger. I mean, when you look at... There's so many players in this Atletico squad who 
can be great on the day. They're fantastic, like Morata, like Saul, like Marco Llorente, who players who, when they're in form, when they're confident, they're some of the best players in Spain. I mean, they'd be getting to most teams in the world. But when they're not in good form, when they're not confident, they're just a complete waste of space. I mean, we've all seen Alvaro Morata when he's not in in good form, when he's lacking that bit of confidence, and he's just a nightmare to watch. Really frustrating. And Saul is the same that that when he's confident, when he feels comfortable, he's capable of really pushing it. Let's go on to the next level. But when he's not, he's just a void of a player. And I think a lot of last season at Chelsea. We saw that that he never got going, he never settled in, and Chelsea were desperate to get rid of him by the end of the season. And Atletico had been desperate to get rid of him the season before that. So it's a weird one because the squad has players who are capable of pushing Atletico to the next level of kind of getting into that title race. But I don't think you necessarily count on any of them to do that. I mean, if Morata has a good season, he's more than capable of making that difference. But you just don't know. I mean, it's a bit like just looking at the first two weekends of the season. We saw the 3-0 win against Hitafe, where you look at Atleti and say, wow, I mean, this team can do anything this season. Morat looking fantastic. Joao Felix link- linking everything up in attack. I mean, everything looks amazing with that Lily. Well, then one week later, we go and see them play Villarreal and just nothing clicks. I mean, tactically, they completely lost the tactical battle against Unai Emery. Just the whole thing, the system just didn't work. And wait a second this is almost the same team there's only one change to the starting lineup between the two games and you could really tell that Atleti just struggled I and mean, it was it was weird to see a team that looked so confident and so optimistic one week then looked so chaotic the next week but I mean that's kind of Atleti that they have that potential but I just don't think they're consistent enough to really push Real Madrid or Barcelona this season I think there's like once a year where I actually enjoy Atletico play. And it usually is in a Champions League knockout game where they, they're forced to just play football. And then, and then you just realize, oh, my God, these guys are so talented when, like, the season is on the line and there's a gun to their head and they have to do something, otherwise they're out. They go to a completely different level. Like, this happened against Manchester City last season at the, at the Wanda where they almost, a lot of people would say, and I would probably jump in on that, that they probably deserved to go through in that one. They dominated City in that second leg. And then there was Liverpool the year before. Um, Other than that, you just never know what you're going to get from them. It's just, there's no consistency. Like you said, I mean, you summed it up perfectly. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. Laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, overprohibited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Um, it's kind of a weird thing to say about Morata, but if he could just be a prolific finisher 
I know that's like a big ask and that's like such a, I'm, I'm, I'm pretending like it's just like a minor, minor little thing you could improve. But if he was, he'd be amazing because he does, there's everything else he does perfectly. Like he works really hard. He's incredible off the ball to get to the ball in the first place and get to those 100 chances a game that he misses is actually a really impressive art in its own. He's talented at that. There was that one touch against Villarreal where he brought it down with his heel and he kind of turned around in one motion and, and fired a shot and was saved. He's talented. He's got something, but he just can't finish consistently, and, and that's it. And then he's he's basically he's no one's first-choice striker ever. He's like no one like will choose to go into the season with Morata as the striker, but he's like... The guy has like plan B, like, okay, I guess we'll sign him if he's there because we don't really have anyone else to rely on him right now. But if everyone is healthy, Sam... this season as well at Atletico, there's, there's almost a sense of that they'll have Marat as the first-choice striker, but they need somebody else. But by October, they're going to end up fed up with Marata and, and they need somebody to come in and replace him. Yeah. Well, that's what I was going to ask you. Um, so what is inherently different about this starting 11 this year and it doesn't have to be based on what we've seen in the first couple games, obviously, but what is inherently different about the starting 11 this year? Like, does Saul sneak in as the, as a starter? Is Morata the de facto starter you roll in with? Where does Jao Felix fit? Will Marcos Llorente be playing a lot of right-back minutes again, or will that change with the new signing and he'll be playing in a more advanced role? Like, how do you see this shaping out in terms of the starting lineup? Yeah, I think the biggest change is going to be that this season, Atletico actually have a right back in Molina. I mean, obviously now suspended for the next two games after his red card against Villarreal, which isn't a great start. But they do actually have a, a right back who can play in that position, which for Marco Chirente is good news. He's been in midfield in these first few weeks, but he hasn't really stood out there. So it's almost kind of, he's a piece of the puzzle that I think Diego Simeone is quite sure what to do with him now because he's been kind of, trying to work out what to do with this attack and the system that seems to work best is is almost have Jao Felix working off Morata and they have linked up quite well Jao Felix kind of more over towards the left and then drifting inside with Morata kind of holding the ball up um, also works quite well with a front three with Antoine Griezmann coming down the right flank as well and Marco Chiente kind of hasn't really fit in there at all I think maybe he could be that Antoine Griezmann alternative on the right with kind of a front three but it's something we get to, to see too much of so I wonder if Simeone will kind of go in that direction, pending what happens with Antoine Griezmann between now and the end of the transfer window. But I think that could be interesting with Marco Llorente. Um, and the other changes, I think there aren't going to be too many. I think it's going to be more or less giving Morata that kind of number nine, almost target man kind of position, the centre-forward role that Aleti didn't have quite so much last season. But I think that Diego Simeone wants to recover to try and get the best out of Jao Felix that he can kind of have that player to to work with, work around. And I think in preseason, especially, the link up between Morata and Jao Felix has been really exciting, really promising. They do seem to kind of have an understanding. Their movement between each other has been pretty good. So let's see how that evolves over the course of the season, whether Morata's confidence gets gets taken down a notch and maybe that doesn't work or flow quite as well. I think that's where it's going to be interesting to see quite how Simeone evolves that attack, whether he sticks with Morata and Jao Felix or whether Griezmann comes in, whether Cunha or Correa come in. I mean, there's a lot of attacking talent on that Atletico bench. So, I mean, he's going to have to find a way to keep them all happy and, and rotate them as well. It's going to be quite a challenge for Simeone, who's not necessarily been the best at rotating and 
keeping players happy in the recent years. And I mean, he's definitely not Carlo Ancelotti in that sense. So it will be interesting to see how that evolves as the season goes on. Do you think that Griezmann playing 29 minutes twice is intentional to keep it under 30 minutes or it's pure coincidence? It seems a very, very magical coincidence, <laughs> doesn't it? <laughs> that that would actually happen. I mean, it's it's a strange one. I mean, I but how many games? Like, ADA what's the policy exactly? Like, what's the clause? Is it so? It's fifty percent of yeah. games counting a game as where he's played more than thirty minutes. Okay. Uh, so I will say, yeah, like, to come on two games in a row and twenty minutes left on the clock seems. <laughs> Very pe- petty if, if intentional. I will say as a Real Madrid fan, that's, that sounds glorious to us because if it's intentional, you're not only screwing Barca over, but you're also screwing yourself over in a way because you might actually need this guy to help you offensively. So if you're limiting his minutes because of a clause and he can't help you to his full capacity, like I don't think he himself mentally would even come in on a good place knowing that he's restricted for that reason of the clause. So that's, it's great for the, for to see the fireworks from over here from the, from the Bernabeu. Um, yeah, I can imagine. The, so, I mean, we're talking now in August, but let's see, come the end of the season, how many games is he going to have left that he can play more than 30 minutes if there's an injury and you only have Griezmann on the bench? I mean, what do you do? Do you not bring on Griezmann because you might end up having to pay 40 million euros for him? I mean, it's it's a really weird situation that Atleti have got themselves into. Very weird. I mean, it's they dug their own grave. They shouldn't have brought him back. They did Barcelona a favor, and now they're paying for it. So um, that's that's on them. Um, let's do one more thing before we wrap it up. I wanted to talk about the fans at the stadium going at the players after the Villarreal game. Uh, can you talk to me about that? Because I think there may be a little bit of a misconception that people might generalize that and say that was Atletico Madrid fans. This is how they're reacting. This is a very specific group of people. And Sam, as has, he has a cough attack drinking water. <laughs> Take your time, Sam. Don't worry about it. Uh, but I think there's a bit of a misconception that Atletico fans in general are attacking the players and whatnot. And... I think it's very important to clarify that this is a a very, very specific group of the fan base that are ultras and they're very radical. And it's the equivalent to Real Madrid's ultrasaur who were banned out of the stadium. So, Sam, if you think you can muster it, but if not, take your time, don't worry. Um, Do you, can you maybe just give us a little bit of background on this fan group, who they are, what we need to know about them? Yeah, so, I mean, you said it quite well, Kian. It's a bit like the ultra-sur group at Real Madrid. They're called the, the Frente Atletico, a far-right group who have kind of a very very controversial history, to put it that way, which is that, I mean, they've been involved and linked to two murders of fans at, around stadiums and at games and so on in the past. And one of them was only eight years ago. Jimmy, a, a Deportivo fan who was thrown over a bridge uh, just outside the Calderon, and I mean that was kind of the a big turning point in Spanish football. A lot more arm was taken against ultra groups, but the Frente Atlético is still quite close to Atlético Madrid as a club and the club's owners. So I mean, there was action taken. They're no longer an official Peña, but they are still allowed into the stadium. I mean, 
it's no secret when you go to the the Fondo Sur at the Metropolitano that's kind of where the the Frente Atletico group go and that's where they're kind of always there I mean they've had scarves flags and kind of present in club events uh, like the Covid season when there was lockdown a lot of the videos and photos of kind of scarves and things that have been hung up in the team dressing room were from Frente Atletico that kind of thing I mean there is a very close link between the club and and that group of ultras um, but they are controversial even within Atletico fans because they do have very extreme right-wing politics. They they are very much against the the new club crest, the new stadium, the the whole controversy over the team kit and everything this season. I mean, moving away from the straight red and white lines, these wavy, curvy, weird shape, whatever they have on these kits. And the Frente Atletico... Um, kind of part of the groups that are driving that change but also not entirely popular among Atleti fans because they are so extreme and and they are very vocal they're kind of the ones who are in the stadiums <clears throat> with the the microphones leading the chanting and so on but at the same time I mean they don't get on with everybody because they do sometimes push it too far I mean we've heard them the, a lot of the fines that Atletico have had in, in recent years I mean singing about Courtois, Go Die, um, Nazi salutes at Old Trafford last year. I mean, that's all from the Frente Atletico. So there are plenty of Atletico fans who are very much against the Frente Atletico. But this is kind of very them. So, I mean, they they have clashed with the players quite a few times in the past. Um, and this case against Villarreal on, on Sunday evening was another one where they were criticising Antoine Griezmann, insulting Antoine Griezmann after the game. And I think... Antoine Griezmann has always been a, a strange case since he came back because there were a lot, especially within the Frente Atletico, who were very against him because they felt that he'd betrayed the club, that he'd kind of gone against the club's values to leave them for Barcelona. It's a little bit weird, and there are some conspiracy theories, to put it this way, um, that all of this abuse of Griezmann, which didn't really exist towards the end of the season because by the end of the season, fans had almost forgotten about it. The fact that it's now come back and there's some conspiracy theories that maybe the people at Frente Atletico who get on very well with, with Hilmarin and and Sereto are kind of being pushed to maybe make life a little bit less comfortable for Griezmann in Madrid. Um, but I mean, that's kind of one conspiracy theory. They're insulting Antoine Griezmann. Mario Hermoso is a very passionate guy and kind of stepped in to defend his, his teammate and then got insulted himself, got bottles and lighters thrown at him, that kind of thing. So, I mean, a real proper clash. And I mean, it's not something that anybody wants to see. The Frente Atletico came out with a statement saying that, that they don't believe in, in anything. They don't have anything to do with it directly, that, that they respect the club, they respect the badge and that they would respect whoever reflects the values of the club. And they didn't think that Mario Hermoso reflected the values of the club attacking his own fans so I think it's it's an interesting case I let you say that they've opened an investigation there's two or three fans that they've identified as being involved but I think it's kind of more just a general feeling not just with the Frente Atletico but with Atletico fans as a whole that so much has changed at Atletico over the last 10 years that, that I mean there's been a new badge there's a new stadium that a lot of Atletico fans disagree now but because they disagree on the values and the history of the club I mean what is Atletico Madrid for a lot of them it was kind of the values that they had with the stadium with the the club now they feel like the club is moving away to be more of an international a global thing where the local fans don't matter so much 
others disagree and I think there's just a a whole lot of division whereas before it was a very unified club I think part of that is inevitable when it comes to a club that grows to the extent that Atletico have grown over the last 10 years but also that with that added edge of the politics of everything that gets thrown in with these ultra groups that, that make it an even more challenging challenging situation yeah, I mean, that's a really, really interesting background. Well, quite frankly, like, frankly, when I was listening to all of that, the the entire background of the the Frente, their history and all these statements, and I mean, really, like you, you throw <laughs> these guys got to be out of the stadium. They got to follow Atletico have to follow the Barcelona Real Madrid route and just kick these guys out of the stadium. Obviously, it's complicated because it shouldn't be complicated, but Atletico's owners, <laughs> um are not the most, let's say, uh, competent owners right now that you, that Atletico have right now. And obviously, it's 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 a privately owned entity now. It's not public anymore. And so, you know, it may have been more clear for when Florentino Perez kicked these guys out without hesitation and, and they were gone. But, you know, you lost me at throwing a person off the bridge and committing murder. Like, these guys are still being let in the stadium. And it's crazy. But... The Atletico uh, situation is 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 crazy. I mean, sometimes we just don't get enough spotlight because they're not Real Madrid or Barcelona, but there is plenty, plenty of drama there, constantly, and uh, there's a there's just a lot happening at that club. So, do you want to make any predictions for Atletico for the season, Sam? Before we wrap it up, I think they'll get top four. I think there's. Whatever happens at Atletico, they always find a way to make top four. And I think they have got the quality to do that. I think they'll be top three. I think they do stand above the rest of the teams there. But I just don't think they've got enough to challenge Real Madrid or, or Barcelona. They don't have that consistency. Maybe if the Champions League doesn't work out for them and they go out early or something like that, then maybe that could be more of a reason to focus domestically and try and push that top two. But for me, I think... That's kind of the, the easiest prediction in all of our league of this season is Atletico Madrid to finish third. And I think they're a pretty solid bet for that. That sounds about right to me. Um, they'll probably bounce back. It, it's crazy to look at their upcoming schedule, though. Like, they they got a Valencia away, and then they got Real Sociedad away, and then they got Celta at home, then they got Real Madrid at home, then they got Sevilla away. It's a really tough schedule for like the beginning stretch of the season. Plus, whatever champions and games get thrown in there because the draw is tomorrow. So we'll know the official schedule for that soon too. Sam, I appreciate your time, man. Thanks for hopping on the Churros Tacticas podcast and making your appearance here and a debut here. Hope to have you on again soon. Thanks, man. Appreciate, appreciate it. Uh, okay, where can people find your work? Twitter? Yeah, well, I mean, they can find me on Twitter at Sal Leverage and also management regions like Adorona, as you mentioned earlier on, Kian. And yeah, thanks very much for having me. Yeah, after every Atletico and Real Madrid game on either Into the Calderon or Managing Madrid, Sam will have three stats. And there's at least always two of those stats, usually three, but at least two of them. I'm like, oh, wow, I had no idea. That was crazy. Um, there was one Luka Modric one that blew my mind recently. I don't even remember what it was now. Um, yeah, was it 56% of his goals have come from outside the box? For Madrid, That's crazy. Was, yeah, but... over half of his Real Madrid goals have come outside the box. That one blew my mind when I read that one. That just, I mean, it, it makes sense when you think back to all of his goals. But when you just read it in writing, it, it was pretty mind-blowing. So, yeah. Thanks, Sam. Appreciate your time. Thank you. Take care. Thanks, Keegan. Sports Social Podcast Network. Every day, we rise 
challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.